In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. You ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio once again. Me and my boys is ready to kick it up and kick it loud. Cody, Nick, Tyler, and Caleb, the dynamic duo, are back again with us tonight. We got a little BS session to kick up all the stuff that's happened this year. We got some hot topics that are going on in the hunting industry right now. We may even spin around, and y'all be listening for some exciting news coming. Talk about it outdoors. Pull up a chair and sit a while. It's going to be a fun one. Nicholas, you been catching any fish, son? Shoot, no. I ain't even got a rod out. <laughs> I bet my line's the dry rod that you can't even. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can tell you one thing. Uh, fishing has been hot across the country. But I'll tell you what's been even hotter than that. Them YouTube videos you've been dropping, son. And if you ain't already, go over and check out. Already out of the gate, right as we get started. As you're listening now, pull over on the side of the road and go over and check out Clayton Wilson's recent turkey hunt episode that dropped on YouTube. It, it was a good one. Appreciate it. Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. <laughs> I got a I got a good story on that on that uh shotgun on there. Oh, great. So yeah. don't let me don't let me forget to tell it once you get wound up here well i can tell you uh you're getting very dynamic in the way you put those videos together and one thing you said today that kind of stuck with me that's kind of really been in my mind the last few weeks is as i've went back and watched stuff back to mine and cody's trip to illinois i was able to sit down this week in in the can i say it can i say where i was at absolutely in the new studio and watch those videos and I was sending Cody a picture of yeah. the deer that he had missed. And just watching that video back is so, to me, that's one of the coolest things that we've ever been able to do. I mean, it's great to go back and listen to a podcast and talk to some of those or hear some of the voices that we had in the past. But, man, what a fun time it is to be able to sit down and watch those videos. In a year from now, we'll be doing the same thing on the turkey stuff. I won't, but you probably will be. Wait till we start videoing this podcast and put them out there and see how, much, <laughs> see how that goes over. Ooh, like a lead balloon, probably. People's going to be uh, getting tickled out of that. Our facial expressions. Nick and I talked about that, though, because I'm always calling him like, man, I don't know if I should change this, do this, whatever. And he said the same thing, probably what you're talking about. I'm done trying to build these videos to please everybody out there. You know, I want to do it to my liking and something that I can go back and watch. And if people enjoy it, great. You know, and that's, I'm like that, too. I, I find myself going back and watching hunting videos. I watched Caden's turkey hunting video the other day, and I see stuff that I've you know, got a little better out of whatever, but it's cool just to be able to go back and relive those moments for the, sure. The way I put that video, to, the way I've started putting videos together is, is if I can 
I try to focus the first minute. I want to catch somebody's attention. I want somebody to enjoy it. The middle of it, it. I mean, I try to put it together in a way that I think would flow good. Um, I want to put the end of it good, so hopefully somebody makes it to the end. It's it's they're still it's still a good ending. Yeah, it's yeah. still a good ending. So um, I've enjoyed it. I enjoy sitting there piecing that stuff together. Man, I get frustrated. I lose track of time, but it is fun to me. I don't know. I don't know why I took a lock into it. Well, I love it, and I'm glad that you have taken a lock into it because I really don't enjoy it that much. I, I just want to get all the footage together and critique the hell out of you when you it's don't just, put it together what my mind is. It's just it's just finding the time to do it. And then, you know, you find these – now that I've found these different sounds I want to put in there and do different things, it's just it's just fun to just play around with it. Nobody's sitting over my shoulder telling me what to do, so that's the best part of it. I can do it how I want to. Maybe come, maybe come this deer season, we can just send him all of our film. <laughs> I told him that I would come and sit with him and clip what I wanted down and just pass it over. Just to the hardest, it. the hardest part is just taking the footage off the camera, uploading it, and then going through and seeing what you want to use. To me, that's just the most time-consuming part to figure out what you want to use. If you got four hours of footage, it's hard to take it down to 20, 20 minutes. You know, one thing I learned in Illinois was come back to camp when you're done for the evening. You know, sitting around having a cold beer or whatever, take that footage off your cameras and and label it day one or day two or you know first two days. Cody and I did that last year. It helped me because I was able not to have all that footage. I could clear my cards out and I made sure I had all my my video inside of the the actual programs and not have it on my camera in case something happened. Lose. That's usually what I do. Pro tip: if you do that, when you put your memory cards back in your camera, format them to your camera or you will lose footage you will 100 percent. yes you will because um i've done it you've done it yeah it's it's, a- it's easy it's easy to forget to do but yeah if you and i don't even pull my card out of my gopro or my camera and and plug it in unless i know i've got time to sit there and it ta- it don't take it takes a lot of time for those videos to transfer onto your computer yeah. i mean a lot of the times what i was doing in idaho is I would right when we was getting ready to go to bed, I would move everything just one at one time onto my computer and just go to sleep. And when I woke up the next morning, it was all over there. So that made it a lot easier. Oh, Yo, yeah, moving it all over. Well, um, speaking of fishing, went to Ogallala for the first time since probably I don't know 2019. This past weekend with Dad and Uncle Weaver. How was that? Great. Camp looked exactly the same, minus a few cushions here and there where they floated away in the flood, but. Great, had a great time. Went over just for for one night. Got that thing's like a once a year flood zone right there, right? It, you know, that place had never flooded to that height in like thirty something years, and for three years in a row, it flooded over the top of the camper. When I say over, it was almost even with the mm-hmm. top of the camper. That's crazy. How long y'all been going over there and doing that? So we started going to to where our original camp was in two thousand and two. Uncle Richard had a camp over there. Derek and I went over there. Me and well, Nicholas was still alive. Um, his brother. We went over in two thousand. It was one or two. I don't remember which, but um, in two thousand three is when he died, and we still kept going over there. Then Uncle Wibburn and I moved a camper over there and built. I won't ever forget. I'm gonna tell this story. So I was fifteen, I guess, and I was I was slipping around dipping snuff. Well, I was scared to death to ask anybody. You know, I'd always slip around. Well, I asked Uncle Wiver, and I said, we was working on putting up poles, and it was in, I want to say it was in March. I'm cold. It was cold. We went over there with no heater or anything. 
We stopped and got us a bucket of KFC chicken to take. We didn't have nothing over there, just the camper. So we spent all evening out there working on that camper in the rain, got soaking wet, and I was, we was nailing up some braces. And I was holding the braces, and I asked Uncle Wilbur, and I said, you care if I get me a dip of snuff? And he's like, I don't care what you get. Right then, I let go of that brace, and he was about to hammer it with a nail, and it fell hit him right on top of the thumb, and I bet that east wing's still laying in the middle of that lake. (laughs) He chunked it down through there. I didn't mean right now, dumbass, you know, but dad's buddy Woodall has that he worked with. He's been a staple of camp over there. I mean, we had bottle rocket wars over there, smoke bomb battles, and camped, and Brandon been over there. Me and him and Kenny Blanton and Zach Cousineau went over there and camped one night and wound up over in the middle of Fort Payne, Alabama, just hanging out. And I tell you, it's been a staple Ogallala has. Anybody that doesn't know what Ogallala was, that's where Gus and him was headed to in, in Nebraska. And Uncle Weber, that's you know, our favorite movie. So he named that Ogallala. Mama made a sign for him out of wood. Carved it out and painted it, and it still hangs on the on the oh. camp over there. Yep, yep, Ogallala. There's a famous country band from Fort Payne. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Jackal, Alabama. Oh, is that oh, where they're from? Wow, yeah. wow. Well, we're actually on the uh, Chattooga River, right outside of Galesville, and it's Cedar Bluff. They used to have this thing called Liberty Day, and I'm sure they still have it. But Liberty Day was like the big event of that town. And we would always go over there on the 4th of July weekend and go to Liberty Day and get a button. We had those buttons for years. I think they washed away in the flood, though. Ain't it crazy that we're at a point in our lives where we say, yeah, 20 years ago we used to go. Remember we were talking about something to somebody the other day, Alex and I, and I was like, that was 20 years ago we were doing that. Alex was like, no, it was – God, it was 20 years ago. Yeah. We're getting and, old. We're talking well, about gray hair this morning. Yeah. Me and Nick was. We was talking about just for men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we was like, damn, Cody's got us beat. <laughs> yeah. I said, I, I said, I said, well, Cody's got a lot of gray. He said, yeah, he looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> I think he's been dying his beard, though. Well, wisdom. I think he has. He's darkened it up. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wisdom. Did you hear what he said? It's all that wisdom. <laughs> it's all that reading he does during <laughs> yeah. the day. Shit. That's all them diapers he changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where that gray comes from. Well, you know, camp there has been a lot of fun for a lot of people too i I was thinking about how many friends of mine that that went over there back when we were younger brian and me and ashley mcgee and uh steven was over there a lot and how many times somebody got a lesson from uncle wibbert over there there's been a mini fowler he's been i mean there's been a mini a life lesson taught by that old man on that river i'm telling you there's been some good ones some we won't talk about i asked him this weekend because Woodall listens to every episode. And shout out to Keith. I love him like a, a second uncle. I mean, he's as good a fella as you'll ever meet. But he uh, <laughs> he said, you going to get Willie O'Over, get on that podcast when you get in the studio? And I said, nah, he's afraid the terrorists will steal his identity <laughs> if you get him out there on the band waves. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Don't put that on Facebook. The terrorists will steal my identity. <laughs> <laughs> That's who they're worried about. Yeah. I know. That's. My mom, she won't even get a Facebook. She's afraid somebody will steal her identity. I'm like, hell, if they want to try identity, they already got it. My mom and dad are the same way. Won't get one. They just people's afraid of that stuff. Um, before we get into a little I bit, I caught of, a gar. I caught a gar fish. <laughs> I was going to ask you about a little bit of fishing, but you ever been over at Collinsville at the flea market? Oh yeah, I bought a case. I'm going to tell you this story, and I ain't. Got, I don't have them anymore. Tell them what. Tell them what the. The Collinsville flea market is. First. Collinsville flea market. If you've ever been to the 
redneck countryest town you could ever imagine and went to the Bilo there and people shopping barefooted, that's what Collinsville, Alabama is. It's a trade day. It's a flea market. And you, you can really get anything from I've seen five-gallon barrels of dish detergent homemade. You I've can get chickens. shotguns, you can buy chickens, goats, coon dogs that ain't eaten three, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Starving to death. So, dogs. I mean, just bones. Yeah, you can buy guns. You could buy a lot of guns. You can't buy guns there no more. They don't allow it. But oh, they don't? No. The no, last time I was no. there, you could buy guns. Hell, you can buy plants, trees. If you want it, I have they been got there. It. I have been there and bought guns. I've been there and bought Masonic Bibles. I've been there and bought. Uh, I probably bought some of that dish detergent <laughs> once in my life. Uh, three or four week old chips. Uh, you can buy uh, poker sets. You can buy TVs, microwaves. You might or might not get something that somebody else previously owned. Um, they should trade change it to trade days to uh, your stuff flea market because likely there's somebody else's stuff you could find there. You and, buy deer heads there too. Mm-hmm. They actually sell deer heads. There's actually one booth that sells like nice log furniture. Oh yeah, like beds and stuff. We'd actually talked about buying a bed over. There, like, I mean, there is some it, nice things. Really nice. I mean, it used to be. Now, when I was twelve, thirteen year old. Well, I'll tell you what, me and Ashley McGee bought SKSs over when we was 14-year-old. Really? I probably shouldn't tell that, but we did. I mean, it's past the statute of limitations at this point. But, yeah, walked up 75 bucks a piece. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you should buy a whole case of, of Klinishnikov AK-47s with the ropes still in them. Whole cases of them. And they put a stop they, to all that. They need a if, – if, if, if you haven't heard of it or never seen it, just Google it. I'm sure you'll get some pictures come up. And it'll be the finest Alabama people you ever seen there too. Or Georgia people, either one. They ain't just from Alabama. Them <laughs> folks travel to go over there. That's the first thing Dad said. Man, wish I'd brought my stuff. I'd have went over to Collinsville for the oh, weekend. Can you get a tattoo there? Probably. Our boy Brandon got a few didn't know over. There. Yeah, Brandon got wild and blue tattooed on his chest <laughs> over about behind the chicken coop. <laughs> Wonder what you can't get there. Oh, man. I, I could not imagine anything PhD. that you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You probably could get one of them. There's probably a guy forging them back there for you. You could buy fake IDs at one point. I mean, you can get anything you want at college. You think they got America. rebel flags? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of rebel flags. I'm sure there's old Confederate Georgia flags. I mean, you can get whatever you want at Collinsville, Alabama, the place that keeps on giving. We're this episode we're, not sponsored by Collinsville. We're going to go over there and see if we can set up a booth. And do a podcast. And do a podcast. We can't, Video podcast. We can't. We can. It's $35 for three days, but you must bring at least one empty or half full sack of sweet feed, a goat <laughs> that may or may not have all of its uh, legs, and a one-eyed dog. That's the check-in. <laughs> that's in. Um, that's just north of Fort Payne, right? Be uh, on the other side of center. You go through center Alabama and going over. I don't, I don't know how much further. Me and Brandon went to the world's longest yard sale one time and wound up at Collinsville. We went to. Oh, the, your dad do that every year? Yeah, him and him and Jessica. They go and get them get them a place up. Him, Jessica, Christy, uh, Victoria goes with them. They go and run the world's longest yard sale. My granny and papa sets up on that every year. Me and Brandon took a, a, a litter of bulldogs one time, tried to sell them. <laughs> on the flea market? I mean, the world's longest yard sale. Really? Yeah. yeah. yeah Where'd you do? Just pull over at this on the side of the road? Just on the side yeah. of the road. It's yeah. Just, was on the side of, it's the longest yard sale. And I mean, it runs from Ohio all the way down through Alabama. Has your dad done the whole thing? No, they go up just north of Nashville and, and come back down that way. So you just, you just or Knoxville. 
Just driving a pickup truck and stop when you want to. Yeah, you pull in at all kinds of places. You can't see it all. I mean, it runs for a week. It's you know, it's a pretty much. A, I think it's starts on maybe Wednesday or Thursday, or maybe starts on Saturday and runs till the next week or something like that. But yeah, I wonder who started that tradition. I don't know, but whoever did, if they would have cashed in when they could have, they could have made a fortune if you like rented the spots. But it is you can now. You talk about finding anything you want, anything. Jessica's bought some really neat stuff. She bought some Ford tool chits. Do you know what a tool chit is? No. So when people worked it, you I guarantee you'd ask your daddy what a tool chit is. He knows it. Lockheed, they had them. They were little bitty pictures. They had their picture or number on them. Mm-hmm. And when you got a tool out of a toolbox, you put a chit in there. That's what it was called. Well, back in the old days at the Ford plant, they had metal tags. They were And they kept them on a little clip chain. And they had your number on them, and each number was assigned to an employee. When you got a tool out of there, you put your tool chit inside of that case. They don't sell for a whole lot, but she made me a – you've seen that bracelet mm-hmm. that yeah. I wear, and I've got a keychain that she made for my truck. She found two of those in a thing. They were, you know, I don't know how much she gave for them, but that's pretty neat. That is pretty neat. A tool chit. Tool chit. Now it's all digital and stuff. They check them out with barcode scanners and things like that. But back then, I can remember Dad's tool chits when it was in his lunchbox. They were little – I guarantee you daddy's had some of them. You know, we was down there at South Georgia's past weekend, and um, the guy was – he works at the power company, and we're talking about the power company are coming a long ways. They All their tools now that they give them, they scan them on a – they got an app. Yeah. They scan them on that app, and they can track those tools wherever they go. Mm-hmm. So if somebody steals them, they can go right to where they're at. Yeah, and I think that a lot of companies have changed the way they do tools and things like that. We don't necessarily do that at work. I mean, we just – we don't have that many employees, but I worked at ADT. We had tools you checked out. I mean, if you checked out a big hammer drill or whatever, it was assigned to somebody's truck, and then when they brought it back, they took it off. Mm-hmm. Ain't no telling how much stuff walked off the power company. Oh, God. <laughs> power saws. Yeah. <laughs> no telling. Intentional or unintentional walk-offs, <laughs> yeah. probably at that. Probably more mad and stomping their feet and running off. But um, get back to fishing. How many how many fish did y'all catch over there? Dad and them caught nine Striper. the entire weekend, yep, and I caught a gar. Y'all catch them off trout? Gar holding. Shad. <laughs> Shad? Yeah, we go down to the lake. I'll tell you, that's been probably the funnest thing over the years is catching shad. You know, we drive down to the lake. We're we're on the river, and so our camp's right on the river. We've got a dock there, and we go down the river and into the mouth of the lake, and then run around if you don't know lake wise you better be careful because it's a very shallow stumpy lake that will tear your boat into a thousand pieces if you're not careful but if you run the channel you're good we go out to these little coves and find it and throw a shad net for three or four hours and you know how to throw that thing yeah yeah how long did it take you to perfect it i'm still not perfected usually i'm good for about 12 throws 10 12 throws and then i start getting some loops up in it it's it's tiring especially that six foot net dad can throw it good but that i and a lot of people try to throw it hard. It's it's not about how hard you throw it. It's all in how you spin it. Because that thing's going to spin and open. And, and as it falls, and, and if I just take my time and throw it easy, I'm pretty good with it. But when I start trying to sling the guts out of it, it's when I get I mean, messed How many catching that thing usually? Our big net this weekend was four. We have, and this is no lie, and you can ask Derek about this, because he was with Dad when it happened one time. We've been in the middle of the river and it'd be black with shad and throw it out there and have more than you can drag in the boat. Have really? to open the net and dump them out. There would be so many shad. 
That's back really when the fishing was good in, in on the Chattooga. It has really faded. The best year we ever had, I believe, was 146 stripers in, in a season. That was the same year that uh, that Uncle Wilburn and, and Kenny Blanton and I caught, I think we caught 29 in, in one evening. We ran up on a school of them blowing shad on the bank, and, man, it was amazing. You could pitch out there, and they'd be, the, the river was black with shad. They'd pushed them up out of the lake, a big school, and you, they'd catch that one with the hook in it, I guess because it was slower every time. You you could not throw in there and not get bit. And then about 30 minutes of that, Uncle Wilburn was tired of it, so we had to go up the river and park. <laughs> <laughs> so – um, there's several different ways of striper fishing. I've only actually been one time on Lake Lanier, but downline cut bait. Which we just dropped ours in some deep, deep, deep water. Yeah, we we river fish. I mean, we don't lake fish. Um, we go up the river. We free line shad, live shad. We'll catch bait. Try to go up the river with fifty shad, sixty shad, something like that. Uh, we free line them on a hook, throw them out in you know underbrush and things like that. And we we had better luck this year than we ever have downline cut bait where you cut the shad in half put the hook you know put it on there and you downline it with a sinker let it float up um catch a lot of catfish like that people use planer boards they've got a big board they drag behind the boat people use uh trolling rigs that's where i went up to the tennessee river that time and caught them on trolling rigs but not my cup of tea. My favorite type of striper fishing, and, and I'm telling you, it, it was like going back in time the other day fishing again because I, I have spent my my life through my teenage years and not so much when I got older, but my life, my early on life, we were there every – that's why we quit trout fishing. We didn't turkey hunt. We didn't trout fish. We went striper fishing. And, God, it was so much fun. Just the river, you turn that boat sideways in the river and drop anchor? We don't drop anchor. We float down. You just throw out – to the bank throw to the bank and let that shad you really slack up you can feel that shad you can feel him when he gets excited he's probably fixing to get slammed it's like basically getting your bait getting hit by a truck and it hooking into the bumper and that's what it feels like boom and there's no slack in the line you're you're hooked when you're hooked you're on i mean it's it is unreal fishing a 10 pound striper in the river is the funnest thing that i've ever caught Period. Well, that you catch that gar on one of those sheds? Yeah, uh, first one I've ever caught. I've hooked a bunch of them or, or got them where they bite the bait into. Their mouths, you know, it, it's not very wide. You're talking two, two and a half inches at the most. And they bite that shed usually in half and eat your bait. Or they skin it. They grab it and you pull it and it jerks it out. This one bit and he must have bit right into the hook. When I hooked him, I couldn't believe it. I mean, we got him in the boat. Armor, skin. Skin was felt like that alligator. Just hard. Uncle Wyvern tried to grab it, and it flopped in. I'm talking about a solid ball of muscle. Just the whole fish was just hard muscle. I couldn't hold it. You threw it on the bank when you got done? No, we threw it back in the river. I mean, I wanted to keep it needed and try it anyway. Meat eater cooked the gar, and he yeah. said that was the best meat he'd ever had. He loved it. He showed you how to thing skin it and everything. He used metal tin uh, snips and cut it right up his back, and then – Cut out the meat just in little nuggets and then fried it up in a pan or a pot. I've, I've never eaten it. I, I wanted to take, they say you take and, and skin them and boil them and, and get the meat off of it and, and make like salmon patties with it or gar balls. Mm-hmm. They, do they just eat other fish? Is that, I mean, I they eat dead what, stuff. They eat, what are they good a, for? They're just a clean-up fish, yeah, like a carp. Fish. I mean, it's a, it's a delicacy in a lot of places, and they get really, really big. Not so much in that river. I mean, we've seen some probably, I don't know, 
four footers. They only stay in the river. They no, they're stay in the them. lake too. Do they got sharp teeth? Like they say? Oh yeah, they got sharp teeth. I mean, it's a mouth full of them. Did too. You got the hook out. Mm, it fell out when it got oh, really? in the boat. It flopped it off, and I picked it up and was holding it and took that picture. And it was a it was a fun thing to catch. Tough as nails, strong. Weird looking thing. Oh yeah, she looks like it's an alligator gar. I mean, beautiful color on it though. Threw it back in. Fish for him another day. Hmm. Uncle Weber sure was excited. Like, Get a picture of that thing, Bobber. <laughs> how many uh, strappers can you catch in a day over there? How many can you catch or how or many can you keep? keep I have no idea. We've never caught enough to tell you. Oh, really? We don't keep anything over about three pounds. They're pretty good eating? Not to me. I don't I don't like striper. I mean, I can eat it. They got that streak it. in them that people always talk about? Yeah, we always cut that red streak out and cut it in strips. You know, we I don't like fried striper. It gets chewy and kind of, you know, fatty kind of tasting. I just ain't my cup. I like crappy. That's my favorite. Did you talk to Fowler today? Mm-mm. He tell you about going on that striper fishing trip on Lake Lanier? No. He didn't? Uh-uh. I hadn't talked to him. Man. He said they went out on this, uh, I forgot who he said. Charter he boat. Yeah. But he went out with this guy, and, and the day before, the guy had hooked this bass and caught this bass. <laughs> Look at that bass on Lake Lanier. Good 13 Lord. pounds. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody like to have that in a tournament, wouldn't it? Holy. That is a giant largemouth yeah. for Lanier. It is. Oh, had, to be, had to be setting close to a record with that thing. <laughs> Rock Turner, holler at us. We'll tell you where it's at. <laughs> yeah, drop them coordinates to him, Fowler. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, and and to be honest, it was almost depressing to me to be out there fishing. First, first time since I was – I had my first boat when I was 16 years old. And first year I haven't had a boat in the first spring – to be this far into the year first year ever to go this long without fishing i have not wet a line until this past weekend well been busy killed a lot of coyotes <laughs> we ain't um we ain't big on the fishing over here on this talk about it outdoors we don't talk about it a lot but that that's something i just something don't know nothing about i can talk fishing until the day is long i mean i love fishing i've fished in a lot of places i've saltwater fished i've you know freshwater fished but i'll tell you that river over there buddy and it ain't about the fishing it's about the way you fish you can pull up there you can float down that river and drink all the beer you want and pull right back into camp i mean yeah. you're you never even fire the big motor up i mean you literally float right back into camp y'all boys big into fishing i like to fish I do. a little I bit enjoy it. Mm-hmm. i and love fishing. fish I like, a lot i like to fish in my kayak i love doing that which i'm probably gonna start fishing during my lunch break so we got some private lakes down there in woodstock so that's, I, that's what I like. Private lakes for the fisher. They're plentiful. <laughs> I love uh, trout fishing was always my cup of tea, but it's hard to find time to go. That's during turkey season. I we trout fish when I was a kid. When I was little, we'd go to Nimbleville, Montgomery opening weekend. You bet your butt that old green camper was going to be there. And when we found striper fishing, we quit. quit. Doing the last time that I went camping with Dad, let's see. It would have been 1999, the summer of 1999. So the spring of 2000 was the last time me and Dad and Bradley went fishing. Mama was sick, and she went to she was in the hospital, and we went up there and camped on Montgomery. Me and Dad and Bradley did, and I want ever I could take you right back to the log. I'm sure it's gone and rotted away now, but we I, we sat there and we caught just out of a little pool, caught the hell out of them stalkers. I mean, it was piled up there. That was the last time we went. As a 
family group. Now, me and Stephen Embriano beat the hills up in that little Toyota, son. We used to go to War Woman, go to Amicalola, go to Talking Rock Creek. I mean, we went, we hit anything between Jasper and North Carolina, even into North Carolina that we could go to. We tore up the hills in that Toyota going and getting them. That's how I was. Probably why I didn't do good in school. Mom would call. Be like, I'd be like, I ain't going to school today. Why not? Going fishing. Well, I went to school because I got my ass whooped. She's like, I guess she just was grateful that, I, and it wasn't a whole lot, but I guess she was just grateful I was being honest with her. But that's how me and Brady was. and We spent we spent a lot of time up there when we were kids, but I'm telling you, that Ogallala boys. <laughs> and catching them shad, that's an art to it. you got to figure out exactly where you're going to go to catch them. you got to know where they're pushed up to. I like marking them in the channel. You, you come up through there and mark them on a graph, and you'll see a ball and stop throwing that ball of them. But Dad likes to get to the bank, throw in the grass, which if they're not in the channel, you got to do that and hunt them. I mean, it's almost a reward when you catch And we was doing over-under. I'd say five, Willie. I'd say under. Woodall, always, he's optimistic. He'd say over. So, look, striper, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm asking this because I'm dumb to it. But do striper return to the ocean? Not from where they're at. I mean, they can't go to the ocean from. Well, I get that, but but that's what they're designed for, right? The striper do go. They would go to the ocean, like the Baywater. All right, here's a prime uh, outdoor drive, Trevor. That's what Trevor does for a living. Is God's trophy striper, right? In the bays and everything. They're a they're a fish that can go. From what I understand, brackish water. They can't live directly in salt water. I don't believe complete salt water. I could be wrong on that, but. Look that up, Waddy. Um, <laughs> but they do, that's where they base out of. Rockfish. But I thought, stri- I mean, I know they can't because of dams and stuff like that, whatever, out there where you're at. But I thought Striper made a run to the ocean and then came back. Maybe I'm wrong. But those steelhead that Rusty was telling us about out in, out west, they call them steelhead. They're basically, a, they look like a big trout. They yeah. can, I believe they make two runs in their lifetime to the ocean as long as they're alive. So, striped bass can live in freshwater or saltwater. And that says, similar to rainbow trout, which are called steelhead. Okay. So Is that just what they call them out there? I guess. So, he told me they can run twice. Now, I think a salmon can only run once. He was telling me one of the fish out there can only run to the ocean once. A steelhead can run twice. But isn't the, I just find that fascinating that they can swim that far and come back yeah. up those rivers that far. That's what's crazy. I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day in Alaska. We, uh, I got to notice and we were walking up beside this big, uh, it wasn't really a river, it was bigger than a creek. But, and I got to notice in these wood plaques that went around, there's like wood troughs that went around these big waterfalls. And they had water running through them. And uh, there are ladders for those, those salmon to get in those troughs and swim up around the waterfalls that they can't get up. And I'm way up in there, away from the coast. That's crazy, ain't it? Yeah. They spawn in fresh water. They primarily live in salt water. What's that? Striped bass. Okay. So, in the ones that have been adapted to live all, you know, complete. They go up the river to spawn. Yeah. I mean, they'll get in water that's right. ankle deep to spawn. Right. And then they run back down the river. So they could, But they can only do that on certain places. It's not locked to them. I mean, like. Well, there any river chain, and there's a different there's different breeds of it that you you've got 
you know, striped bass or rock fish that live in the ocean come up to freshwater to spawn, and then you've got hybrid striped bass, which are Cherokee bass, um, they call them palmetto bass, sunshine bass, whatever. They live only in, you know, freshwater, and then they go up and down the rivers from the lakes. They live around dams, things like that. That's where Uncle Richard used to go catch all them big ones at was down on the lake. Mm -hmm. So you ain't going to hook a 20-pounder in the river we fish in and get it in the boat. Very, very seldom. You're going to get in a brush pile. It's going to wrap you into something. You're going to break it off. I remember as a kid, we used to try to go striper fishing. We wasn't big into it, but I remember, I think we used to go to the foot of Carter's Dam. Yeah. And a lot of people be standing there, man. Oh yeah, rushing. Yeah, oh, yeah, Water that's a big, big time fishery for for stripes. And you can catch them in Carter's Lake. There's stripers in there. I mean, you got to catch them deep. You got to know what you're doing. Just like on Lanier, mm-hmm. I just don't. I enjoy river fishing. I like bass fishing in a lake, and I like river fishing for stripers. That's just I've been on lakes doing it, trolling, dragging planer boards, things like that. What's the biggest what largemouth you ever caught? Me, eight nine. With Brady, me and Brady was there uh, over at a little, not a private pond, it was Lake Arrowhead. Yeah. Drug that some gun out from under a log with five, I had six pound test. I was fishing a little drop shot, flipped it over under a log, Nick grabbed it, and I said, boy, I'm glad that ain't got my worm. If it did, it'd break me off. Rink, set the hook, and it had it. Off that fish for about 15 minutes before I got it in the boat. What's the biggest spot? Uh, five, six. That's a, that's a tank. Yep, that's caught big, it in a tournament. A me and Brock um, were fishing a tournament. And that damn Mark Tucker beat me with a largemouth for big fish that day. He had a 7-3 largemouth. What lake? Lake Altoona. Hmm. Yep. That's real. I mean, that's good. I could take you that's right. That's good for to Mark, the, too. I could take you right to the pocket that, that I caught it in. Um, we uh, we pulled up, and there were some fish schooling. And I threw a, a fluke out there and popped that thing twice, and it hammered. And it, I mean, it was a stripping drag. And I tightened down the drag, got it, and Brock said, that's a striper. That old green back rolled up. He said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I get the net. I get the net. Would you rather catch a five-pound spot or a eight-pound largemouth? Two-pound spot on Lake Lanier. <laughs> Dude, there's no fish in this in this state, in my opinion, pound for pound, that will fight like a spot. Have y'all caught anything bigger than eight pounds? I have not. The biggest uh, largemouth I caught was right at seven. Over That's my, house. my biggest is – my biggest is six five. That's out of a private lake, and my biggest spot's a little over four pounds out of Lanier. I've jacked some. Yeah, I ain't, I don't even know. I got, no, I got a striper mounted, but it ain't no monster. It's yeah. a small one. Ain't uh, Bud, my stepdad. He's got a twelve pound largemouth bass. He got mounted. He caught it out of Hollis Latham. I always said that I would really? get it's one mounted if it was over ten, but I just I have no desire to mount a fish. Such striper will run um, where allowed. Will run up to two hundred miles up a river to spawn. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I bet there's been studies where I can't run two hundred yards up a river and <laughs> be out of breath. Yeah, I bet there's been some studies on certain fish like that just to see how far they run. Oh, well, I'm sure. I mean, be curious. I bet you'd be blown away how far a trout or a salmon had been. You talk to a biologist about that. Hey, let's line Somebody it up. does some study on that. That'd be interesting. I like it. Uh, yeah, that's stuff. well. Yeah, that's welcome awesome. to the show. How far <clears throat> do fish run? <laughs> Well, they don't run very far, Mr. DeBoer, but they do swim a long way. Bad <laughs> <laughs> jokes. Um, biggest crappy. Ooh, two, three. Where at, Clines? Nope. Altoona. Really? Yep, sure did. Did you keep her? 
Um, yeah, my dad don't practice <laughs> nothing, but he don't cat practice uh, catch and release. He practices fillet and fry. <laughs> you want to talk about somebody getting mad now? Would all he he would dad catch him three and a half four pound largemouth over at Weiss and throw him right in the cooler? <laughs> Boy, that's gonna eat good, would all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, and we've caught we you know I've caught. I'll tell you what I'll never do again is do like me and Derek done that day. We kept about – we went to a tournament and, and collected fish that was dead. You know, they had dead fish or whatever in their live well, and we kept some. I think it wound up being like 70-something bass for a fish fry. We cleaned every one of them things, bass, big bass, and cut them up. And, uh, man, the only time I've hated cleaning fish more was when we caught all them crappy last year and had to clean them. Because a crappy the size of your hand – Dad said they make good fish sandwiches. That's why he keeps them, just one little nugget off of them. But them little crappy, God, they suck to clean. Yeah. And I, I use an electric fillet knife. I've got a, I bought me a Bubba Blade, one of those battery-powered electric fillet yeah. knives. And at Joker, it's the best clean fish cleaning knife I've ever had. Sharp. But these people out there, and I'll tell you one that can do it, it's Jeremy Vaughn. He can clean a fish with a fillet knife faster than I can with that, with that electric fillet knife. Hundred percent, he can do it. You can ask Derek. It is unreal how good he is with that fillet knife. I can't. I just ain't that good at it. But that Joker can. He can peel them all. Let's hit that shooting straight. I got a question in mind. All right. This week's shooting straight brought to you by land specialist Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties. If you're looking to buy or sell land in the Northwest Georgia area, give our boy Cal a call. Seven seven zero. 296-2163. Day or night. And as always, thank for Cal for sponsoring that Shooting You Straight segment. Nick, let's go ahead and give us a little something-something. Well, since we're on fishing, and you know, fishing, um, I think nowadays may be more related to deer hunting than it ever has been. Do you think fishing is going that way and it's taken away from the fun aspect of it and, and all these people are worried about tournament fishing and making money and not just enjoying it anymore like kind of like deer hunting's been is that i mean is, is that you a good me to go first is that or? i mean is that i'm trying does that make sense what i'm asking yeah you think people are placing more value on the weight of the fish and the tournament fishing side of it than they than they have uh like the score of a deer yes yeah yes and it's getting away from just going out and enjoying a day on the lake i'm not going to answer first i'm gonna let somebody else answer first we boys think I think it depends on the person, but I, I think, depending on, I think there's some people just don't care. They just love to fish, don't care. Um, you got people like Whitfield that fishes every day. You know, they, they just love to fish. But do you think it's changing, though, yes, for, for, I do. for the new crowd? I do, because you've got, I think you've got all the, and I think it's great at the same time, these high school tournaments and stuff like that, and I think it puts more pressure on the kids to to do better, catch the bigger fish. And I think it takes away from the, the fun aspect of just enjoying a tight line. Well, before before everybody else answers, and this can go – this add this on the question. Do you think it's good that high schools offer those fishing teams? Yes. Do you wish they offered them when you are in school? <laughs> no. I, I do I, – I think it's great. And because it does give opportunities for – I mean, there's kids going to – colleges on full ride scholarships for fishing scholarships now yeah and i think it gives something else for kids to do who are not into baseball or, or football or or whatever but they grew up fishing i'm 
you know, I think it gives them the opportunity com- to compete in the sport. Um, but I think there's kids that go to that and do that and get burnt out because it's the tournament style fishing and they lose their interest for fishing too. Yeah, dedication is very hard. Yeah, for it is. A, for a, for a young person like that, and that's in my opinion. I've done I've done no studies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tyler, Caleb, what do y'all think? Y'all think it's y'all think bass fishing's changed like deer hunting? I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. But I don't watch it enough. I don't keep I don't up either. with it. I don't watch a whole lot of. I used to get up on what, what was it Sunday morning and do the Bassmaster yeah. thing back in the day on TNN or TNT whatever it was. That was way back when. <laughs> yeah, that's tell, that tells you how long ago that was. years ago. That I kept yeah. up with uh, bass fishing. The only but, time I watch bass or any kind of fishing is over at Pop and Granny's house when we eat for somebody's birthday. The, he's always got hunting channel on. If there's fishing on, that's the only time I ever watch it. Do you think, I don't watch it at home. Do you think more people are getting involved in just like, hey, I got this nice bass boat with these power poles and instead of just going out and enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah. I, think I would say so. Yeah. I spent some money on them boats, boy. Mm-hmm. I got a buddy of mine that he tournament fishes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can take it in whatever direction you want to take it, but that, you asked the question, is tournament fishing these these high school? And, and no, I don't like it uh, at all. I think it's hurt the fisheries more than you can ever imagine. And I can tell you a proven example of this on three different occasions in local high school clubs to Cherokee County, surrounding counties, Pickens, Bartow, On three different occasions, I went to weigh-ins or was fishing during a weigh-in, and I watched more dead fish get thrown back in the lake than I ever would have dreamed. I'm talking three- and four-pound spotted bass being thrown back in a lake, and it was at Lake Lanier with people that I know, and I was absolutely disgusted to the point that I went and talked to the tournament director, and I said, you have done a huge injustice to every kid that's here because you've taught them it's okay to kill a fish to win money. A hundred percent. So, but do you think that's just teaching on their on their trainer coach? Absolutely, yeah. You're going to have you is can't it because, take is it, a fish that that you catch out of thirty foot of water in July and put it in a live well and ride it around for four hours and expect it to live unless you take proper precautions. So you're, are, so what should a person do? Put ice in there. Well, they're stay alive. Listen, I understand. I, I don't that know. Fish I'm are going to die. Yeah, fish are going to die in a tournament. I have killed fish in a tournament. But you brought them home. Do not throw that fish back in the lake. Do not teach that kid that it's okay to dispose of a renewable resource. Now, I understand it's that fish is going to grow back. You're going to have other ones to replace it. But imagine if you've got a hundred kids in five different tournaments on a lake, on a lake on like Lanier in a weekend that kill, just say each tournament kills 30, 40 fish. Mm -hmm. You're talking hundreds of fish that died that weekend that get thrown back into that lake. It teaches them a very, very bad lesson. Well, on that note, that's kind of a negative side of it. Do you think there's a positive side of having that? Absolutely. I think, it, like Cody said, it gives kids that don't have the opportunity that don't play sports. It teaches them a, a competitive spirit. And when taught the right way, it does give them the opportunity to get out. There's kids that are in it that have never been in any kind of fishing whatsoever. It absolutely helps them and gives them something to do to compete. It teaches them the, the boater safety. 
to me, there's nothing in this world more important that people need to learn if you're going to spend time on the lake than boater safety. Mm -hmm. Because every single weekend in the summer on Lake Lanier, we hear the story of some kid drowning or some dumbass on a jet ski running over a bass boat or they're out there in these wake boats. And I, I, I don't care who listens to this and hears it. If you've got a lake boat and you're in a creek, you're a jackass. You should stay out on the main lake with those wake boats. You do not need to be up in these creeks. There's kayakers that are out there. There's paddle boats. There's kids out there riding on, you know, smaller, you know, John boats and things like that. If you're in a, on a wake boat and you've got those wakes throwing six, eight-foot wakes and you're wakeboarding, get out on the main lake. Mm-hmm. Do not do it in a creek. You're a jackass if you do that. And I, and I hope the guy that listens to this show hears that and calls me because I'll cuss him out just like I did the last time I saw him on the lake. I don't agree with it. I think they should be banned and outlawed on any creek or reservoir that is that is a narrow body of water. Get out on the main lake you want to do that. You don't like because it's rough out there? Too bad. We don't like you to making it rough in the creeks. <laughs> Hate them. And the jet skis are the worst. Pleasure boaters are the absolute worst thing in the world because they don't know what they're doing on the lake. They spend time out there on the water. For one weekend, they rent a boat. They get drunk. They nearly run over people. They run over and kill somebody's grandpa that's out there trying to enjoy his day. It's it. There's plenty of water for everyone to enjoy it. But each one of these boats has its place, and it needs to be put in its place. And could, I'll, I'll tip my hat to the DNR on Lake Lanier. They will hammer those boys for doing it in the creek because they're not supposed to be there. Really? Do not like it. I literally had a conversation today with uh, the head of our electric division out there that's doing the work. He's a big-time boater. He goes to Carter's for that reason yeah. because he hates all the other boaters. He's got a wake boat, but he's smart about it. But the, I think the biggest problem, just not get too far off subject, is they'll rent boats to anybody. And like you said, boater safety, they have no idea. And, that's, you do, you know, and, and they did make it in Georgia where you're you're supposed to go and get a boater's license if you're under a certain age. Right. You have to have a boater safety class. People not wearing life jackets, riding jet skis up and down the lake, they'll ticket your, your butt for it, and, and they should because it's just so easy for one of these boats to come up through there. And, I mean, I've been on Lanier. You cannot go to Lanier after April on the weekend and expect to enjoy yourself in a bass boat. And I'm talking about a 21-foot bass boat. I've been on Lake Lanier in a 21-foot boat, mm-hmm. and I've been in Lake Lanier on a 16-foot boat. And there's no difference between the two when it's a bass boat. Yeah, you can cut that wake a little better on that 21-footer, but those big boats that come up through there, there's just got to be a balance with it. And I just – those wake boats mm. – Cal, we want to appreciate you for sponsoring that ad. But, uh, you know, next time we're going to be doing what grinds your gears – Brought to you by Alex. No, I'm, I'm telling no, you, I, can, I, get, I, mean, I get that. And, and, and I'll tell you something else. That's, I'm almost stay on this for a second. Those white go, boats, <laughs> they they create they, the erosion of these lakes. They're hurting the banks yeah. of these lakes. You you go to Lanier and you look at the banks of that lake and how beat up they are. There is erosion going on all over that lake, and it's causing trees to fall. You're causing hazardous. I, I just ban them. But you won't get on a subject like reaping talking about something. Uh, we're banning wake boats. I just, I mean, and I, I don't think there should, you should ever take it away from people because I get it. They're cool. Yeah, if that's what you like to do, people go out and enjoy their time with their kids and their family on those boats. Just stay out of the creeks. That's all I can tell you. And if you don't want to do it in, in out on the main lake, well, I'm sorry. I mean, that, they just don't belong up in a narrow creek where somebody's trying to. They're trying to enjoy the same thing you are. Make one pass and go on. Don't keep going back and forth. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just. But back to the original question: Do I think fishing has changed for a lot of people? Well, of course it has, and I'll tell you one thing: It's changed with that. How many farm ponds are you think are people are allowing people to go to and fish anymore? None. There's not that many because people's got so Sue happy. Well, we get on grinding gears big time. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sue and um. Uh, they're not cleaning up after themselves. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep, yep, yep trashing it up. Trash. Yep, yep. And and I think that, well, I'll tell you another thing that's changed in this area, and it's changed in our own lake there at the house, is the water table. Water mm-hmm. table has changed drastically upstream from our pond. There's no water flowing into it anymore. We've got cows that get in there. Yeah, they poop in there and everything else, but it it creates a an algae in there, and you can't pump enough oxygen into it. We've tried. We've dyed it. We've put that algae kill. We've had grass carp. And actually, a few years ago, we had a fish kill on the lake. It killed every fish in there. The algae died, went to the bottom. All the deterioration pulled the oxygen out of it, and it killed every fish in there. You think they were just floating. The we talked about this with Grimes. Yeah. yeah. You think the water table's changed because of the – Amount of construction. Absolutely. You drill a well on a – let's just say you've got a stream, and, and I talked to, to a gentleman about this recently. you got a stream that runs, uh, just say, a mile, and it comes out of a, a mountain, you know, and that stream runs down, and, it you know, it's got fingers that feed off of it. Well, up upstream, underground, from where that creek originates, you drill a well. Well, you hit a vein that feeds that. Boom, you automatically killed the water going to it. You build a house another 150, 200 yards away from it. Boom, you drill a well. Boom, you hit a vein. You took water out of that stream. And when you put a dozen houses, which has happened upstream from us, you're taking all of those veins that feed that creek, and eventually it dries up. Are all those houses, those new houses on Wales? Well, they were. A lot of them were. So the county came through there? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and, and you go to any place, you go to any creek, that we went to when we were kids, maybe not in the extreme North Georgia, you know, up in the big mountains, but mm-hmm. any stream in Cherokee, Pickens, Bartow, Gordon, Floyd, you know, anywhere around there, mm-hmm. those creeks are starting to dry up. And I don't, I honestly don't feel like it's a problem with the amount of rainwater we get. I honestly feel like you're drilling more wells. You drill well, a well and it pulls that vein out. The, the, the pond that I grew up fishing is still there, but when I was a kid, when Brady and I was going there when we was 15, 16 year old, that's a 16 acre lake. And you go over there now, and it's more like a 14-acre lake because of all the silt that's washed in. That's from, what I was about to say. There's been a lot of silt washed yeah, into that pond, too. That's been a, you know, a lot of silt washed in and, and so forth, but that's all due to construction and mm-hmm. you know not proper erosion control and everything upstream. And it's just it's affected that lake drastically. You go over there and catch four-pounder largemouth all day, and now you go over there and that, ruin got, that lake got ruined for a different reason, but. It's funny how things change like that. I mean, you you go to putting neighborhoods in, and you got all this water runoff from different areas, from roof lines to road lines, curbs, and stuff like that, and all creates a different path. And probably, you know, if they cut a big enough neighborhood in, and even though that's what I do for work, it's, you know, you direct that water that was once flowing in that direction down to a different place because they have to – Build sediment ponds. You've got drainage and everything else that changes. You change a holler. That had water that ran off, like you said, roof lines or just rainwater in general that yeah. ran down there. It's not running there anymore. It's no, it's not. Uh, and, and I and I don't I don't want think or I don't want people to hear this this show and think that I'm all anti everything. Nobody should get to enjoy it. Look, you enjoy those resources just like I do. I have my opinion on why things mm-hmm. are a certain way and why things are changing. It's my opinion. 
you don't have to agree with it, mm-hmm. and I'm not asking you to, but what I will say is respect and taking care of that resource, whatever it may be, goes a long way. And just be careful. I mean, I could not imagine the situation that those those folks were in on Altoona with a seven-year-old and, and him falling off a float and drowning. Why did you have a seven-year-old five? five? Oh, when? Last weekend? Weekend before yeah. last. Really? I didn't know that. The same that. weekend that boy got killed on the boat in Hartwell, right? That 17-year-old boy? I don't remember that one. He really? Was, he was pre-fishing for a tournament, for a high school tournament. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. yep, yep. By I himself, did hear about yeah. That. Uh, a boat. I don't know all the details, so if somebody listens to this, whatever, but a boat with several people on it. They, there was a wreck that occurred, and he was killed. A lot of bad things can happen on a boat. In the water, speed and water don't mix. I don't care what you're on. I've been very, very fortunate in the days that I've been on the water not to be hurt very, very badly, if not killed, in some of the situations that I've been in. 50 miles an hour on the water is about 120 on the road. Well, I tried running <laughs> about 72, 73. Well, I've been 84 mile an hour in a bass boat and on a blast off, and I'm telling you, I've never been scared in all my life. When that boat stopped, I told him I would ride them, I'll, I'll walk back. I have to ride that fast. Brock, that's you, old buddy, overdrive. That's why they called me floorboarding him overdrive because I was laying in the floorboard while he was driving, praying. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that either. Yeah, them blast offs are scary. That's... That water's just kaboosh, especially when you're the last draw. Um, What else you got on this one? I got something else. Just enjoy fishing. You know, if you're going out, make sure if you're going out to a pond you get permission to go there treat it the way you'd want your place to be treated there's a lot of people like we said that don't like you on their property because they're messing it up a lot of them are in cattle pastures close the gate behind you be mindful that those cows live there they're going to come up and sniff around at you you know get away from them but if you're going to go there don't leave trash laying around worm buckets don't leave you know rod wrappers if you peel something off or have a snack or a picnic pick your stuff up don't leave your cigarette butts and your beer cans. Yeah, to pick your beer cans up, put them in a the bucket. Dang, you got manners. Just throw them in the box. I mean, just be respectful. And, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. But I will say that today's mindset on the environment, it, 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 it's taking a turn for the better. I honestly do feel like that. I see more and more people promoting picking up trash in the woods, and there's not as much being you know deposited out in these places and hopefully it can make a resurgence in some of these places can there's a lot of new lakes being built there's a lot of people building new yep. ponds and there things are. for kids to enjoy and i know it's tough to go down to to Altoona or any of these big bodies of water and be able to catch fish but you can be successful doing it you just need to find the right area don't be afraid to get off the beaten path a little bit get you a bucket of minners in march and go out there and you'll probably catch some crappy off a of blowdown it can be done very easily just just be careful and sorry to get on a tangent if I make anybody mad about them wake boats, but that's my feelings on it, and I don't care what you think, to be honest with you. Stay out of the creeks. In the river cleanup, Little River, we do down there at Woodstock, we have a river cleanup every single year. We get like a 30-yard dumpster, one of them big dumpsters. I think it's what it is, 30 or 50-yard, and we'll have it filled up every single year. We'll have – 50 people, just random people. Anybody can come pick up trash. They'll take kayaks down the river, come back, slam full of trash. They walk all the trails and stuff, pick up, and it's every single year you get a whole dumpster. And I think a lot of that comes from road trash washing oh, down, yeah, people exactly. throwing something out the window. Or... That's what I did this past week. I put a trash bin in one of the creeks to try keeping it from going down uh, Town Lake, down that creek right there. We're trying to catch all the trash because it's unreal just – 
the drains on the sides of the roads that are going into the creeks that people don't even think about. So, Talking about trash real quick, the last weekend of turkey season this year, I went to um, I went to one of our local WMAs around here, and as I was walking, we probably didn't walk six or seven hundred yards down the road. I picked up seven beer cans and a Vienna sausage can and a pack of and a pack of a uh, crackers wrapper, and I would have been the first one ten years ago to throw something out the window. I would have been the first one to go float a creek and drink a beer and throw the beer can right up on the bank. But Nicholas. I, I mean, I'll admit to it. I've done wrong. <laughs> but I'll go through there and pick them up when I see them. I ain't going to turn a blind eye to them, not down the road. So I've learned. Making retributions for you mistakes as a youth. Things happen. <laughs> you know, I, was surprised, I was surprised about that uh, real quick. Uh, in Utah, I didn't see a single piece of trash. Anywhere on the side of the road. no damn the people there. Oh, a piece of trash no, I saw in Idaho was that damn broadhead, that guy. <laughs> yeah, in your leg. <laughs> um, no, nah, I, I want to get real quick before we end the show. I want to go back to that, about Clayton's video. Because um, I was wanting to tell a story about it, about that gun real quick. And for anybody that watched the video, it's my grandpa's, my, my grandpa, his great-grandpa's old gun. And it's a bolt-action shotgun. And it's a it's got a clip with it. And it's it's just a modified barrel. I don't even know the make and model of it. It's taped up in this old camouflage, whatever. But I, I got a little story to tell about that. So I've been carrying for everybody that knows. I've been carrying Clayton turkey hunting for three years now. He killed a turkey this year, but I wasn't with him. Well, one of the first few times that we ever went, he had he had brought that gun, and I was like, "Don't use that gun. It ain't got a choke in it." blah 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 that you know that just don't use that gun whatever so he had that gun and my dad had a 12 gauge they're both 12 gauge shotguns so we go in there we're up at my grandmother's and uh, we call it my grandmother's property it's my great-grandmother's we're up there hunting i tell my i tell clayton i said give that gun to my dad and you tote my dad's gun because I, I don't know if i had i don't think i had my gun and so he did well they swap guns. We're sitting there at this tree. We've been working this bird, working this bird, working this bird all morning. Finally, this bird commits and comes in to us. Clayton pulls up, click with my dad's gun. The shell didn't go off. And I turn and look at him, and I'm like, put a shell in it or somebody shoot. So my dad shoots with that old gun, that old bold action gun, and kills the turkey in front of Clayton. <laughs> Clayton had forgotten to put a shell in my dad's gun. Three years later, the first time he took that gun back out hunting, he kills a turkey. I just thought that was cool. I thought that, that was cool. cool. Like it was like it was meant for him to be oh, yeah. to go back the whole time to with kill a, to kill a bird. Yeah, talk about that. old school camo too. Oh, that's that's about as old that's school. OG right there. Yeah, that's about that as old. Is, school. That is what Brandon calls Jack Will camo. And, yeah. and, you, and you think about. And I know people are like on this kick now of like, let's do this. Let's do everything old school. You know, let's go, let's, let's get a pawn shop gun and let's get all these people to kill it and sign it. Let's, you know, let's go public land hunting. And that's a cool thing to do now. You know, all that shit was happening 20 years ago. If we keep saying 20 years ago, that shit was happening 40 years ago. It's just happened. It's happened to come back around, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's just, I don't know. I just, I thought that was cool that it just had to go. It took three, like, 
if I'd have knew that three years ago, I'd be like, take that damn gun, you yeah. know, <laughs> as many times. But um, that's pretty cool. My dad's got a 742 Woodsmaster 30 6 that he's had. It's, it was his first rifle that he got. Of course, we graduated into bold actions. That's the guns that, you know, we decided to move into. And uh, I was sitting over in the holler one day. Me and him and Uncle Wiverly went hunting. And I took that 742 because he had bought a Ruger Model 77 30-06 bold action. Um, stainless synthetic. Love it. My favorite gun. And I wanted to take that one. He's like, you ain't taking mine. I'm taking it. And I, and I had a 30-30 or that at 742. I said, well, I'm going to take his 742. And we'd been seeing a pretty good buck over there, and I was set up somewhere, and Dad was set up, Uncle Wibber was set up, and I was sitting there and stand. And it was late November, early December, and this has been probably 20 years ago. I think I was 15. And up through the woods come bouncing this little three-pointer. And I thought, yeah, I'll do it. Fixing to make one famous right here. And I shot that deer with that 30 6 And I don't know why. It meant so much to me. I guess just because I was in the woods with Dad and Uncle Wyvern and I had his gun. You know, I just was able to, I don't know, make it was just neat. I busted that son of a gun. You know what Uncle Wyvern said? He told himself, he said, well, one of them scrubs just been the dust. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody that knows Willie, old, he'll burn a scrub in a heartbeat. I mean, that joker used to dang smoke cigarettes like a tar kettle and sit there and you talk about scent control, this, that, and other, and kill the biggest buck out of anybody. And Dad said he'd go down there, see him sitting on the ridge and look like a, a teepee over our smoke coming up from it. And he'd kill one every time. I mean, he was good. It, did you, I know you're probably, I think you're the only one that's watched that video so far because it ain't went, it'll be live when this episode comes out. But what do you think about this, that pure raw emotion Clayton gave when he shot that bird? It was it was very, very exciting to, to for him and Jack to be there. Um, and when he was like, I did it, I did it, I got him, I did it, I did I mean, he was he was legit, like, you could tell that raw emotion was there, and he wanted to call you, and he wanted to call his dad, you know, your brother, and he wanted to call his mama. He said, like, I better call mama. She might be still in the bed, but she'll have to wake up for this one, and I enjoyed it. The funniest part of it, though, was your daddy. He videoed and took all the picture stuff halfway through the video, and then he takes his face mask The whole on. time he left his face mask on, like, they're still on. You most of the time, he wears his, he puts that face mask on up over his ears, and it comes down, and it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, why are you wearing it? You got a beard over there. <laughs> wearing it tucked in his lip. But nah, uh, um, Y'all go over and check that video out, and, and talking about deer and stuff like that. We we got an awesome episode coming up that I hope everybody enjoys. Um, I, I enjoyed this guy on a different podcast. We, um, I'm looking forward to it. I listened to that on the way home today. Did you? Very, very interesting conversation and really changed the way I look at several things in, in a good way. Yeah. Talking I, about those those trained deer and the way that it's just neat. You need yeah, to, I hope, if I, you haven't, if you, if, well, I mean, we can it, mention that one. I mean, it was, yeah. it was the, um, the Wired to Hunt podcast with, uh, what, what's his name? Bradley Cohen. 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 Yep. Cohen. Bradley, Bradley Cohen. Cohen. Yep. Go check it out. Very great episode on what deer can see. Yes. Um, he, he was a research biologist for the University of Georgia and now I think he works for Tennessee. Tennessee. Tech? Yeah. Tech? I think that's it. And, uh, he done a study on deer vision and, and we're going to have him on a, on an episode coming up looking forward to that one very very good 
good podcast. I enjoyed it very much. If you don't know Tony, uh, the guy that hosted that episode, you need to go. You know, I did not realize how many – and I think, and I don't know this. I'm going to ask Dad. I do believe that we know him from back in the old days, the old MTFO and, and ATFA you know he uh, said he's, he's a writer for squirrels. Yes, writes articles on squirrel hunting, and yeah. I'm almost positive that we know him from back in the day. You know, that's something that's going to be – I've done got that future show lined up. Dad, he's going to come out and do a do a show with us. When really? We get, yeah, he said he'd come do one. I want him to talk about those old squirrel hunting days. I'd like to get – like, that'd be enjoyable to get him on. I'd yeah. like to get Tony Peterson on also. Oh, yeah, I'd I love to hear Tony Peterson talk. Yeah. A very, very good guy to, to listen. And if you haven't already, make sure you go over and check out the YouTube stuff. It's it's going great. Um, the We're going to start talking about what what else is coming yeah, up. It's going to be pretty it. quick. It um, the second annual Talk About It Outdoors bow shoot will be coming up in August. We have, uh, we have been working very diligently at getting things together for it. Cody's been working his butt off getting together some amazing prizes I don't think you're going to be ready if you're listening to this show for what's coming. Um, the partnerships and the opportunities that are being presented to talk about it outdoors is more of a blessing than we could ever imagine. We have opened the doors to an amazing new team members with, with Tyler and Caleb both being here tonight and our other team members not here with us. We have, we have built on something that is growing at, a rate that we never would have dreamed of. And for everyone that's listening, we just want to thank you for coming and being with us. The guys that have been with us from the very beginning, whether you've listened to one episode or you've listened to all 117 of them, it's been very fun to see, and we cannot thank you enough. We haven't forgot those guys that started with us in the very beginning because they've meant more <laughs> as much to us as our own team members. You're as much part of this as, as far as the success goes. And it's only going to go from here. And the, the fun that we've been able to have and the experiences we've been able to share with, it's been the funnest part. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. And if you're interested in in the bow shoot, make sure you pay attention to our social media post. Um, we'll be dropping it out July the 1st. And you can find out all the information you'd want with it because it's going to be a good time. Very, very special guests are going to be there. Very cool stuff. And... Uh, Hey, you never know who you might see to talk about it outdoors event. There's all kinds Uh-oh. of people might come Uh-oh. bouncing through. So, uh, last thing I got, um, I want to share this with everybody for people that didn't know, um, the state of Georgia. I think you brought this up back there when we had Dave on. Um, the state of Georgia did pass that law. You can uh, take possums and raccoons year round now. Tennessee passed it for and, trapping and no limit on yep. that. So, get out and take those nest predators and. Um, Tennessee dropped the hammer on the turkey law changes. Two birds now instead of three. It's no reaping on episode. public it went from, land. I thought it went yeah. from four to two. Did it go from three I to think two? It's three, to three to two, two and three. then no reaping on public land. No reaping on public land. Which and, that's uh, smart. You can't, and the season's pushed back two weeks. Uh, I think that was it. But yep. a lot of changes coming down. Yep. So, I'm good. Reaping's like wake boats. Stay out of the creeks. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone here at Talk About It Outdoors, thanks for coming and being with us. Keep an eye on all the social media that's going on. Make sure you go over to YouTube and check out the videos that have been dropped there. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Turn on that notification bell if you're running it on Spotify or on Apple. And make sure, please make sure, if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. Nicholas loves reading those. That's his favorite part of his day. 
for everyone here at Talk About It Outdoors. We want to remind you to smile as you go, but don't forget, mount the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. 